90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Pretty good. I was over in your neck of the woods today. I'm highly offended you didn't call me out. Oh, wait, no, you were probably doing field work and I didn't have time for that today. I had to give two exams. <laughs> yeah, I was about an hour and a half away from you, but but closer than normal. I was out that in, is true. in Prague putting tilt meters out because, well, you know, there was a 5.1 earthquake there. Uh, just a little shake, rattle and roll. It's all right. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Did you have flashbacks for when we were doing this, you know, however many, 13 years ago? I did from when we put instruments out in 2011 and mentioned to uh, some of the folks from the OGS, like, oh, yeah, I was involved in putting the instruments out in 2011. Some of the same instruments. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. The rocks are much older. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but back in well, very exciting. familiar places, very familiar roads, uh, mm -hmm. because this one was you know, hundreds of feet from the other one as far as hypocenter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did you see anything cool? Like, there were mud volcanoes and stuff last time. Did you see anything like that? Or I didn't, I didn't drive around a whole lot because I was on a bit of a timeline mm -hmm. to get back. Yeah. Uh, so it was one of those yep. you know, drive five hours to do 45 minutes of field work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, been there, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Bring your batteries. <laughs> oh, we had a lot of batteries and SD cards. Uh, yeah, I mean, I am I will tell you that I'm in the market. I'm probably going to buy this new Paleo Mag drill that is battery-powered. And I thought that was a good full circle for me. Right. Because <laughs> now I'm just going to have to carry 500 pounds of 18-volt batteries out into the field. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I actually had, for the first time in a while, because I don't get to go out and do field work much anymore. I mostly <gasps> sit in the office and design things. Uh, mm -hmm. But since I was back out in the field, I got to strap on my trusty Brunton to go orient all these instruments. Oh, my gosh. Did you remember how to use it? I did. Great. Because I was going to say, if you don't, we have someone on the podcast today who can tell you how. <laughs> right. So we're <laughs> thrilled to welcome back again, Lauren and Dave Hirschap. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, how are you? Great. We are so excited to have you here again. So you joined us so long ago, you probably didn't even know we were still going at this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It does seem like a lifetime ago. We, we yeah, it does, right? Yes, it does. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Much has changed since then. <laughs> exactly. I mean, not for me, but probably for you guys, for sure. <laughs> and so that was episode 109, really sad Michael Bolton music. And before we started recording, we were trying to remember where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> Just the long line of, you know, these fantastically named episodes that you have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we can follow it up with, you know, I would say really sad Beyonce music, but I'm real excited about her, you know, new country songs. But that's okay. That's another episode, probably. Yep. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Well, so we have to ask, since episode 109 to where we are now, what's new? Oh, my goodness. That's 
again. How long do you want to listen to our story? <laughs> a lot has happened. I mean, that's, again, there's a lot of reasons why it feels like many lifetimes ago. Uh, you know, I think two biggies, and I don't know which, you know, I think for us personally, the biggest thing that's happened in our lives is that we had a daughter and Yay! she is now almost six. <laughs> yeah, oh no, I'm no expert here, but looking at the date of the last podcast, I think you were pregnant with her at that point. Yes. <gasps> no, oh my yet. goodness. No? Not yet. Oh, 2017. Close. Yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah. I can't do math. Yeah. And we don't need to go into those details <laughs> yeah. necessarily. Not quite, but oh. she came along soon. But yeah, she, she well, was born in, in 2018, 2018 and just, you know, obviously changed our lives, um, you know, in so many ways, um, mostly for the better, for sure. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I laugh because I had my daughter in 2017, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> just a little bit ahead of you there. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, mostly yeah, great. <laughs> she's she's certainly been the biggest adventure, uh, and then I would, I would say, you know, Becoming the owners of Brunton has been the second biggest adventure <laughs> since we last talked. About. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> so this is like an amazing pivot because I think you were you might have still been at Fort Lewis at that time, but um, you know you in, invented this new Brunton, and John is very excited to talk to other inventors, right? And that was really cool. Yep. And now, like I see you guys at GSA every year, and you're killing it with all this. Brunton merch that is just spectacular. <laughs> My students get very excited about it. And I yes. said, look at that shirt you're wearing today. Like, I'm going to talk to those people. And it was like I was talking to, I don't know, you guys are total, like, celebs now. So I just want you to know. My students are very excited that I'm talking to you. <laughs> it is pretty funny and, you know, just we love it. You know, I just never thought we would be geology quote unquote celebrities, but you do kind of get that feeling, especially at GSA <laughs> at AGU a little bit this year. It's like, wow. Yeah. GSA, uh, especially. Yeah. But we still love yeah. doing all the shows. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. It's pretty spectacular. You guys are mobbed at that booth and yeah. it always just makes me chuckle. It's really, really funny. But I mean, yeah, Brunton, that's a huge thing for geologists, right? But did you find out, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more about your your journey to get there but i'm always interested like is who else uses these with such fervor like we do yeah i mean i think the geology is definitely the main user group and still kind of the core of the brand uh no doubt okay. about that like you know the the transits that we make and sell are are still like two-thirds of brunton revenue um and you know, and, and so I, I think that gets a lot of our um, focus, but I think a lot of geologists don't realize that Brunton also is huge in the tactical and military realm. Uh, Brunton yeah, has had okay. government contracts with the U.S. military for, uh, you know, about 100 years now, actually. Um, and even David Brunton himself worked with the U.S. military during World War One on developing early versions of what we now sell as the M2. Um, which is a, a basically a, a transit that's green. <laughs> yep. it's, it's a green button. <laughs> it's a non-maintainable green version of the Compro. Yep. Army green. Oh, um, oh and it's used gosh. for different reasons. 
Um, uh, well, yeah, because if you use it as a geologist, you set it down and it's gone forever, right? <laughs> so it was just last spring, I actually was fortunate enough to um, be invited to the best mortar competition in Fort Benning, Georgia. And I went there and for, I, I think I was probably the first Brunton person ever to see how the M2 is used. And every single U.S. mortar infantry team runs out and sets up their mortar in uh, a couple configurations with an M2 and fires the mortar. They do one shot, they call it in, they take a second shot, they call it in again, and then they, they uh, then do a burst. They call it fire for effect. Then they pack up and run out of there. I hope I'm not giving away any proprietary military <laughs> firing information here, but it was really neat to see the M2 actually getting used with live ammo. I thought I was going to see these these test rounds, but no, they were the real deal and they were exploding tanks. It was really ex exciting oh, to see. Oh my wow. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's way more exciting than striking dips. Yeah, and, you know, you get in your car and you're just trying, you're on this big military base and you're trying to drive around and you're using like Google Maps to get from one place, they drop you a pin and you're like, I could get run over by a tank. There are live rounds <laughs> flying overhead. There's 50 cow BMGs firing in the woods and you're like, wow. This is really dangerous and awesome. Oh my god! I hope we don't die. <laughs> so yeah, Brunton oh, has that whole side mm -hmm. to it. Um, <laughs> and then just before we lose track of that question, the third kind of big line for Brunton is outdoor recreation. And we make a lot of plastic base plate compasses from super simple that hang on your backpack to mirrored compasses that are just about as precise as a transit and those are used you know also all around the world um, for a full variety of of uses and so kind of have three parts to us and um, keeps us very busy okay yeah so i i knew geology of course but i never had really thought about military uh, or really outdoor recreation but yeah looking yeah. on your on your website you do have a, a giant variety of products and one of those is the yeah. product that that you all got started and connected with Brunton the the axis so how did yeah. working on a prototype in your garage lead to owning the company <laughs> <laughs> that's like a takeover like a major takeover condensed version Lauren. it was our condensed plan from the beginning no um kind of okay I'll try to condense this yeah, so so we last talked with you guys. I think the Axis had, had been released in the summer of 2016, and we were just really ramping it up. I think we met you at one of its debut. It was either with AGU. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Really where we were just showing it off for the first time. And believe it or not, we still go to shows where it's the first time people have seen it. So that whole product is still on a journey where um, it's, still super exciting to show people for the first time how an axis works. Um, we moved up to Wyoming to get closer to Riverton um, and to Brunton uh, in Riverton, Wyoming. And also because we love the just outdoor spaces of Wyoming. And so we uprooted ourselves and, and that, that proximity kind of led to closer involvement with Brunton. When, let's see, right about the time when I, when, when I had Hannah, Dave actually started working for Brunton. He, he became the engineer at Brunton because Hank Iden, who had been there for almost 40 years, was um, declining in health. And thankfully, Dave got to overlap with Hank long enough to 
um, learn from him. And um, Hank passed away. Amazing and, man. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was awesome. Really, really smart guy um, with the funniest sense of humor that you couldn't even tell if he was joking or not. Um, anyway, <laughs> he uh, so, so Dave became the Brunton engineer. Um, and then my maternity leave was to run the Climbers Festival and the Climbers nonprofit here in town, which was not a maternity leave at all. Um, we have not let go of our rock climbing addiction at all. Yeah, that's still a big part <laughs> of who we are. Um, I mean, you can't, can you? Like, no. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, I, when Hannah was about two, two and a half, she started going to preschool and I was looking for, you know, something more and just, I've always been one to push on doors. So I basically, we had gotten to know the leadership of Brunton in Sweden pretty well by then and started pushing on that door saying, Hey, you guys should hire me as, you know, sales and marketing for your geology side. Cause you don't have that right now. Um, and I, it took a long time. There's this long pause, like what's going on. And literally one morning I happened to overhear a conversation <laughs> Yeah, I was on a Teams meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning, 8 o'clock Teams meeting, because we all love those. This is early 2021, and I overhear the the former CEO of Brunton talking to Dave, like, hey. Hey, He said, uh, you know, you might want to sit down for this. I have an idea, and it's one I've been thinking about for a little while. How would you like to own Brunton? (laughs) Lauren comes screaming around the corner. Well, no, he didn't even ask me into the meeting. I just, I like sat on the stairs and, and eavesdropped this whole conversation. Um, yeah, your sixth sense was telling you something yeah, was Yeah, up. Cause yeah. Because I was like, I was hoping he would at least talk about like, hey, I think we're finally ready to hire Lauren. But it turned into this, this whole additional layer. Um, and so so what what that led to was uh, basically the year of 2021 was it took us a long time to figure out how to do that because we were just two former teachers we hadn't we didn't have the money to just say sure we'll buy Brunton um and so imagine that we it yeah. took a lot of creativity <laughs> it took the generosity of of family helping us out but also the former owner of sort of the parent company of Brunton Phoenix Outdoor um he is helping us out too through seller finance uh, but it took it took until November to figure that all out. Uh, in the meantime, they did hire me on as the Brunton sales and marketing manager for geology. And so we had to keep it a secret from everyone we were working with in Riverton. Oh, we weren't allowed oh, to tell anyone about the impending deal in case it fell apart. For you know, upwards it, of a full year. Yeah. So it was <gasps> the weirdest year of like, oh my God, like we would show up late to work. Like I almost got fired. We we by were like, we meeting boss. with attorneys to figure out trusts and paperwork because proudly Brunton is now a uh, female-owned, family-owned small business, yeah. and so it took a lot of Woo-hoo. a lot of meetings. And we'd roll, you know, we'd roll in late at ten o'clock and get reprimanded for not coming to work on time, <laughs> and just have to bite our lip. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had your list of the the first people to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it was, I had to like ask these prying questions like, so how, cause I had to like learn the business. Dave had been in it a few more years than me, but I had to learn very quickly while without just like letting on why I was asking questions that were beyond my <laughs> current scope. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, November, 2021 rolls around after a really long year and we got it done. 
we rehired everyone there. They all were, you know, I think psyched and, and stayed on with us because, uh, you know, basically it was, it's a new entity, but same brand, it's an inventory and assets deal. And, uh, and so, yeah, like Dave said, we officially became Brunton for the first time ever, became a woman-owned business. Um, I think for the first time ever, it became a family-owned, although Ainsworth might have been a family business for a while. It's, yeah. it's original manufacturer. Um, but yeah, it, you know, we brought it back to U.S. ownership after 25 years of it being owned by Swedish Scandinavian companies, um, Sweden and Finland. And yeah, just bringing it home to Wyoming, it, it you know, we're, we still are spreading that word and, and getting that message out. It's it's exciting for people to realize, oh, Brunton's, Brunton's still here. Um, and, and to and talk it, to geologists who are like, oh my gosh, it's... It's a company it's, that is between 20 and 30 individuals at any given time. Folks think that Brunton is like this Amazon-sized warehouse with 400 or 5,000 mm -hmm. people making all the transits for the world. Um, well, most of the transits for the world, but it's, it's right now, I think we have 21 awesome employees that do it all. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's I think we're up small. to 22 as of last week. As of today, we might be at 23. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're, we're actively <laughs> growing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I looked so, on Google Earth and Google Earth stocked a little bit, and it's a, it's a pretty good sized facility for 22, yeah. 23 people. Like, uh, yeah, it's so a, it's a, it's a 40,000 square pretty large building. building. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. we what we mostly purchased was a bunch of um, cardboard boxes on shelves. That's true. <laughs> it's, a, it's mainly warehouse. <laughs> it's mainly warehouse, and so there's just you know to the ceiling there's there's stuff, but it looks like we purchased a bunch of cardboard boxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's great. It was actually um, part so of the like... deal that made it really interesting, uh, loan wise. Uh, <laughs> every single bank in the world was like, "Well, you have a bunch of parts in a really big building." Uh, if you go belly up, we can't sell that and recoup Great. our money. Imagine that. Because, yeah, we don't own the building. The building is, is leased through an economic development agency in town. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's exciting. Definitely keeping us on our toes. Yep. Okay. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, so, like, you developed this axis. Like, did you know a lot about Brunton, the company? Not Not necessarily the business of it, but, like, the history of Brunton going into before you moved to Wyoming? No, I mean, the the Axis thought came to my mind when I was teaching field methods to, you know, sophomores at Fort Lewis College right. in Durango. And I had used a Brunton as a geologist and as a geo student, you know, 15 years prior to that point. Um, and I think I knew, because you look at each Brunton and it says Riverton, Wyoming, and I know we had mm -hmm. driven through here on our way up to Ten Sleep to go rock climbing. And we we're like, oh, hey, Riverton, this is this is where Bruntons are made. But we never had stopped at the building or like dug any deeper. Um, and I don't think I had actually like looked much deeper, you know, prior to when that idea popped into our head, um, mm, into my head. Okay. But the, the yeah, and it, it actually took a lot of effort to find someone at Brunton to reach out to, to even like mm. ask for a meeting initially. I don't know if we told you this story earlier the, the first time, um, but that letter resurfaced. I sent a snail mail letter An that miraculously letter made it to a human at Brunton. And, uh, and somebody opened it. He, he gave it back because we've run into him since and he gave it yeah. back. He's like, here you oh go, my gosh. frame this. Um, so yeah, 
snail mail sometimes works. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, we didn't actually, you know, know much about the company. Um, this year, 2024, is actually Brunton's 130th anniversary. Oh, wow. And that's just, it's, 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 a, it's an old brand, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> since 1894. You see that in places, but it's like, yeah, that's 130 years. That's, that's a long history. Yeah, I think Heinz ketchup has us beat. Are they, well, we might be tied with oh. Heinz, actually. No, I think they've got us by a oh, couple okay. years. Okay, well, Drats. We should, we should look for <laughs> random um, <laughs> household items that... <laughs> That are also from 1894. That might, That'd be a fun list. Borax or something. <laughs> <laughs> Borax, Brunton, and ketchup. You were like, do one of those. Here's what life was like in 1894. Yeah. <laughs> I could dress up. Oh, I have a costume idea. Please, <laughs> please do not put ketchup on your Bruntons. <laughs> I mean, when's the when's the party? Yeah, yeah. Totally. That's true. Exactly. That's true. GSA. <laughs> Yeah. Um, awesome. So, you know, you said that you've, you had a lot to line up to actually go through with becoming the owners of Brunton. Uh, as a business owner myself, I really want to hear what your transition was like from teaching to business ownership and, you know, what, what things are, what makes you go, yeah, this was a great idea. And what days you go, why did we do this? <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we made a huge, like, on butcher paper, a pros and cons list. I still have that. There's always a spreadsheet for big decisions. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I think, honestly, the average day, and it didn't feel like this right away, but I think teaching is more emotionally taxing and, and just, just energy taxing than running a business like it, it teaching is still one of the most challenging professions and hats off to everyone who does it their full career like it it equipped us i think really well to do this you, you process in the classroom in a, in a week on so many different levels i think that if you are a semi-successful or a successful teacher and you find your stride in the classroom i think you're really well equipped equipped to take on a business challenge of this size. Um, in fact, some of our best employees, I kind of hate to say it because at no given point in time has our country needed teach good teachers more than now, but we hire teachers and they are the best employees because they um, just know how to multitask and do it well or buckle down and focus on this or that and um, communicate with different types of folks in the building. Um, and again, it's, it kind of stinks to take them out of the classroom, but we do um, do lots of field trips and our employees actually connect with the local high school and get out and do field trips and do photo shoots and teach them how to, you know, use compasses and transit. So, I um, mean, I know Lauren still loves doing that and she's still connected with a lot of field camps. So we still yeah. try to give back the best we can, but I think um, being successful in the classroom sets you up to do a whole lot of things really well in life outside of the classroom. Yeah, and I think just the personalities, you know, not everyone has the same personalities that we do, just being driven and, and very um, motivated. But the, you know, there's definitely a steep learning curve and, and I, I, we're still on that in terms of some of the, you know, I will openly admit that I've never taken a business class in my life. Um, and so, you know, the, the, 
I wish I had. Um, so, you know, some of the, the very basics of accounting and um, proper bookkeeping and, and management techniques. Um, and, you know, I think one of the, all of that's learnable, of course, um, but perhaps one of the biggest challenges has been managing people. Yes. And luckily you, you have mm-hmm. to do that as a teacher, but mm-hmm. it's a different relationship when they're not your students, they're your employees. Um, you know, and, and so that's been a surprising challenge, just working with, you know, who they're not peers anymore. They are your employees and just kind of understanding that dynamic and figuring it out together. Um, that's, that's been big. The other one there is the, uh, the amount of risk that we've taken on that a person takes on when they jump into a venture this big you know, in the, in the classroom, you risk a little bit, you might risk your job with a, with some sort of edgy lesson plan. But in, in our case, you know, we're talking taking out a home equity line of credit to do payroll, to float you for the first six months, you could lose your house, the house is on the line. Um, you're dealing with employees lives and all that they've set up to live in this place. And so um, Lauren and I are both um, pretty calculated. Like I said, we put together spreadsheets and try to make the best decision at any given time. But it also, this this has really involved quite a bit of risk, um, a calculated risk, I'd like to think. But, yep. um, you know, you just got to sometimes do that in your life. That's such an interesting, like, this psychology concept of that is something I feel like you don't, think about getting into science, right? You're like, Mm -hmm. why would I ever have to know this stuff about how to handle people? And it's like invariably, you know, John and I have met every week, almost since we met each other, right? And we've been doing this podcast forever now. And always our talk beforehand is, you know, something about something, today even, it was something a student did, you know? Mm -hmm. And and that, that challenge of dealing with people that maybe we weren't ready for yeah, <laughs> in yeah. these roles. And so that's really interesting to hear you guys say like right off the bat, like that's the thing that is so difficult. You can own this company, Lauren, and not even have taken a business class, but, yep. <laughs> but it's really hard, right? To deal with like the psychology of people. Yeah. And it's, that's a very interesting thing that is comforting that it's not, you know, yeah. That's ubiquitous, I think, for most scientists. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's, uh... just, it's the hardest to learn. Like, you can't just, yeah, to me, I can pick up on accounting principles, but yeah, the, you know, understanding how to coach or calm or manage, you know, mm-hmm. drama in the workplace is yeah. out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. I think made John it... can. Att- easy for ourselves either though. And in the two years (laughs) of being, you know, at the helm, we've, we've completely implemented a new ERP computer control system. Um, we're developing our Amazon store space. We've basically created three different websites. We've been really ambitious. You know, we have uh, two, we have one project, a military project that we're working on right now that would double our revenue. If we get the military contract overnight, we'd have to probably hire eight to 10 more employees. Um, so we're, we're not just sitting back and coasting where I think a lot of wise folks would say, you should probably do that for the first five years. 
Um, we're really right. jumping into it head first. Oh, that's exactly how John did it, right? I mean, yeah. do you ever have those moments? Like we moved buildings uh, almost a year ago now to a, a space that was 10 times bigger than the old space for our building. And when we first looked at it and looked at the, the financials of it, I said, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. But, you know, we'll run it by the banker and take everything to them and the proposal. And he goes, oh, yeah, we can make this work. And I think the first words out of my mouth were, really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But, yeah, sometimes it is about uh, taking that risk. But it's also, I, I understand, a very stressful situation when you when you take yeah. those big leaps and it's just a series yeah. of big leaps it feels like at least for me yeah yeah very and true I, I think for us the year of 2021 also like the opportunity to buy brunton also had a certain weight to it in that we we sensed that its its future was on the line um uh. in terms of where its ownership could go where manufacturing might go, you know, like a lot heads to heads to Asia, um, to cut costs. You know, we, we could sense that if we didn't take over and find a way to buy the company, it was going to leave Wyoming or possibly go away. Um, and, and that was a, a big burden. <laughs> like this, this yeah. huge geology brand is now feeling like it's up to us to save it. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't in dire straits. It was just a matter of the, the former ownership, just, um, the structure. Yeah. Just kind of not having much interest in, in running the brand, um, and, and being easier to just let it go than, than fix it or find, find the right thing for it. And so we feel really lucky and, you know, we worked hard to make it happen, but, um, we're really happy that it worked out because there was a lot at stake. Um, not only everyone's jobs here in Riverton, you know, Brunton's been here in Riverton for 50 years. Um, some of our folks on our team have worked for Brunton their whole careers. Um, and so there was a lot of pressure and, and, and yeah, so we're, we're that, that extra risk, I guess, or that, that pressure of making sure the deal worked, um, meant a lot to us. And that we did a good (laughs) job of it and kept the brand alive and well. Yeah. That made me like tear up. Because <laughs> I mean, Brunton's been around so long. We know we're not going to be its forever owners. We we see ourselves as as the the current caretakers for this brand that means a lot to the geology community and to to the military community and the outdoor rec community. Um, and it's so yeah. We 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 hope we do. Um, and the ghost hunters. A, Don't forget the ghost hunters. Caretakers. Yes. We have made oh, a few yes. paranormal yes. compasses to help identify energy fields and ghosts also let's not forget oh my. Those folks. a compilation we need to put the hollywood compilation together our our products show up in the funniest places on shows and they never ask us they just like pop up and we hear it through the grapevine hey saw brunton on the the blah 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 show it's like oh, oh i'm gonna sound like i have alzheimer's here but the axis was used in a show in like season two to navigate off of an alien planet and i for the life of me cannot <gasps> oh, yeah. remember her name or oh, yeah. what the show was yeah, but she used shot. it. She also held it incorrectly and didn't use it right. But yeah. they got off oh, the island. Man. Or, sorry, the uh, the planet. Yeah. The planet. Oh, yeah, see, well, the, that's good. She was like holding the oh. axis as if it was a like a sextant. Yep. Um, anyway. Oh. That's 
<laughs> uh, we had a, gosh, we had a, like, student photo shoot with, like, the university, you know, the OU people came in, and they're like, let's do this photo shoot for geology, and that's exactly what they had a student do. And so before I saw, like, the final commercial, he came to me, and he said, Dr. Shannon, I am so sorry. And I said, what? What, Delcia? What happened? You know, I'm all worried something really bad happened, and he said, they made me do it. <laughs> And it was like, yeah, like using the brunt incorrectly. He said, it hurt me. I am so sorry. <laughs> they made me hold it this way. <laughs> exactly. He was like, they wanted to see the face of it. It didn't look fun That's from the hilarious. side. So they made me hold it weird. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought something catastrophic happened, but I understand. And he's like, it is catastrophic. <laughs> yep. I believe the words, please don't put this in my recommendation letters. <laughs> So yeah, I understand that pain. <laughs> so how how vertically integrated is Brunton in terms of, you know, does everything come in as raw chunks of metal and leave as complete compasses? What processes do you do there? What don't you do there? Yeah, it's funny you asked that question because it's uh, Oracle NetSuite is our, is our ERP system. And it seems like we are literally one of the only entities. They say they have like 60 million customers or whatever, but to explain to them that we take in raw parts and push out finished goods um, was mind-bogglingly hard to explain to them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel um, like we were the first company to ever pull together, like, multi-level assemblies, um, but then also have a system that needs the marketing and the customer relations management and, and sale. Like, we needed it all, and I felt like I had to build this system from scratch um, yet another thing I had to learn to do pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we'd love to give you guys a tour sometime and, and we, do, we, we love giving tours to geologists anytime. Um, please call us ahead of time though. Um, or scout troops. And tro yeah, we, we yeah. love giving tours. Um, cause I think it is, it is a pretty cool process to, to witness. We aren't, um, you know, we're not pulling aluminum out of the ground beneath the building. <laughs> yeah, we don't mind bauxite on site. <laughs> That's not our thing. But the the cool thing about our supply chain is that a lot of it is actually Wyoming and Colorado. And I'm gonna botch the the numbers. I looked it up by revenue and by the number of vendors, um, and it's something like seventy percent of our revenue, uh, our 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 costs, not our revenue, but our our raw material costs are domestic. And so that, you know, the things we are purchasing to wow. make our compasses uh, are largely in the U.S. Um, we, and then there's a, there's a big percentage, and I, I shouldn't even mess with numbers, but a big percentage of that is in Wyoming. Um, our recreational compasses are literally injection molded down the street. Like we can walk to the injection molder <laughs> who makes, you know, the majority of our plastic parts and pieces, um, and some of those for transit parts and pieces too. Um, quite a bit's made in Colorado. Currently, we do rely on Taiwan for some of the metal bodies of the transits and started working with a Wyoming company for some of that too. Um, so it's a mix. You know, we, we have a very global supply chain, but we're trying to be as domestic as possible. Um, and then we do quite a bit in-house too. We actually, we have a metal printing process. We have a full machine shop for um, punching and shaping and um, paint shop, 
Um, Amazingly, not a single bit of automation, though. We have yeah. quite a few machines, but uh, yeah. Yeah. All run by humans, one at a time. Yeah, and someday, you know, I, I think we'll see where we go and, and obviously weigh the benefits of this, but um, it would be great to bring some of that metal body CNC in-house um, someday. That's more like a not next year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's push that out. Well, it's, a, it's still a, a far cry from, I think when we talked to you last time, you were talking about like remelting down aluminum. Oh, God. oh yeah, make, yeah, we did to oh, make yeah. prototypes. Yeah. The weird, the weird Christmas break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everyone do that on Christmas break? I don't know. <laughs> you have two weeks. So there have been multiple weird Christmas breaks. <laughs> exactly. You can't call it the. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys like made an inclinometer for me to use once too. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's lovely and random. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> So with the thought of, like, not to skip ahead here, but I'm, like, dying to know this because as the director of our field camp here at OU, um, you know, lots of people are going digital. <laughs> so what does that mean? Because I'm, I am very, I don't know. So our field camp is in Canyon City, right? So, oh, yeah. Um, in southwest Colorado there and southeast, south central Colorado. <laughs> and... So there's a whole bunch of us in the field at one time, right? Because there's all this great public land there. And so it's kind of a half and half of students having iPads that they just slap up against the rock. And then students that have Bruntons. And just a quick story that will hopefully make your hearts as happy as mine. Um, I had a very small class in 2019. I had 11 students. And they met another unnamed Big 12 university in the field. <laughs> and they were using iPads, right? Uh, and so our students are using Bruntons, they're using iPads, and they come back and they're like, Dr. Doolin, they're just using iPads. They don't even have compasses. <laughs> and they're so shocked by this. And like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, you know, there's different stuff. And so that next week we go to do our big mapping assignment. And I say, okay, I'm going to hand out GPSs to everyone. And they said, we don't want them. We'll triangulate using our Bruntons if we have yes. to find yeah. ourselves. <laughs> yes. Right on. And That's so they, awesome. like, they like took this anti-digital stand. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're like, so, like, they're just, like, strutting around with their Bruntons. And it just, it was the best thing ever. That's fantastic. Um, That's really good. good yeah, and here. sometimes it takes yeah, that. It, was... it takes an experience like that or, or, or something to kind of, wake you up a little bit and realize, oh, yeah, I, I will have a better experience or learn more by doing this. But for students to take that and realize it themselves, that's cool. Yes. That's great. I, I, I know. I was, I was so proud of them. But it's like, you know, John and I talk about this all the time because it's yeah. like, do you even know what the strike is if that's what you're doing? It's just yeah. getting this off of this digital device you put yeah. up there. But it seems like people are moving that way. Well, so, so yeah, it, it's partly because of this, this, uh, discussion, but I also needed to do this. Um, I compiled a bunch of data today. Um, of and course. we've been, we've <laughs> been there doing a spreadsheet? this. <laughs> yes, there's yes. lots of spreadsheets. Many, many We're looking at multiple spreadsheets right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we've been doing a survey at geology events, you know, at the Brunton booth at geology events like GSA, AGU, EGU, um, PDAC, 
Um, so we've we've gone to a variety of of places internationally and then different industry focuses, um, and have done a survey that kind of asks how people do their field work and what tools they're using and um, what apps they're using. And I I just compiled it all today. And again, this is not a survey of the full geoscience community. These are the people who walk up to our booth, first of all. So there's like, <laughs> it's heavy on the students because students love our booth. Um, and But the data that we collected um, for those who responded to these questions, um, the, the question that we asked about what what's your main measurement tool for taking geological measurements like strike and dip? And we had like 840 respond to that question. 63% um, use an analog compass. Um, and and only 7% use a tablet, but we're getting a 20% on the cell phone there. Um, and then there's there's 10% who answered the question even though it was they, they don't do field work. Um, and so again, that's it, like those take the numbers, you know, in a general sense. But you know, I was actually surprised by that because it, it, you do get this feeling like there's this full shift, like oh, everyone's using phones now. Uh, but I actually, I really don't think that's true based on conversations we have and you know, based on this data. Um, we we also asked some funny questions, and I'm going to try to figure out how to compile this. I. I need to do more blogging, I've been told. Um, and so I might put this stuff into a, a set of visual things and stick it up on the Brunton website on our blog so it's more shareable. Because uh, these trends are kind of interesting. But we did ask like how often people calibrate their digital compass. 20% um, said they never have. 25% <laughs> said they did it once, once upon a time. Um, and then you know, a, a, a nice 35% who knows if they're telling the truth that they say they do it at each project, which which might mean like once a field camp. Um, so anyway, it, there's there's some, we, we asked a bunch of questions and asked about their, if they are using digital stuff, what apps are they using? And um, this is all public info we're happy to share. So we get this question a lot. Like every event we go to, we talk about digital devices quite a bit. Um, and again, it's a little biased based on who walks up to the Brunton booth. But we, we, I love talking about it because it's like a, a philosophical, almost a philosophical topic. Right. And, and, mm -hmm. and you mentioned it too, that just, I think that when students, especially from an educational standpoint, when, when a student is only used to walking up to a bedding surface or a fault or a, a slick and line and just kind of willy-nilly setting their phone on that surface and does, they don't have to think about the horizontal plane, they don't have to visualize strike, they don't have to really visualize dip, they don't have to really visualize anything, you actually lose a lot of understanding and aren't, yes. aren't really, like you're, you're, you're taking a shortcut that sure it might save time but I think it's going to lead to a lot of error. Um, it also is leading to a lot of error because most phones are not accurate at all, <laughs> um, especially Androids and, and those that have been subject to heat. The, the magnetometers in a phone are not accurate. Um, yeah, phones and iPads have uh, 
magnetometers and IGUs in them that are non-standardized. They get the cheapest one they can find. There's interference within and all of these digital devices from what we've seen, and there have been multiple students that have done studies on this. It's like hammering a nail in with a crescent wrench. It's mostly going to work, <laughs> but it's not as good as using an actual hammer. Um, so what if someone or some entity were to develop a digital transit that has standardized circuitry that's accurate and precise and is tested and is shown to be working really well. I wonder, I wonder who would, hmm. who would do that. And maybe it could, you know, attach to a transit. So, so huh. you still have to use a transit or have the option to use a transit. Maybe that's going on right now <laughs> or not, <laughs> but most likely. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're happy to say, yeah, something's in the works. Something is in the works. <laughs> uh, but it, it's exciting. Like we don't, I, I will always be old school and I'm that way with recreational compasses too. Like we went backpacking. Dave and I actually got a week away. Our daughter stayed here with, with my parents and we walked from Lander to Pinedale. So we, we traversed the Wind River Mountains <laughs> and walked 85 miles over that week and awesome. took a good old fashioned map and compass and actually tried to stay on like the, the dashed lines, like the routes that are not the main trails. Um, mm and just i think the experience and this goes for geology and for outdoor rec and and military is also strongly in the analog um school now because gps can get denied in conflict environments and like the but, but i think seeing and and being able to locate yourself on a map and see the context around you on a map is such a different experience than having a dot in the center of a screen. And I've, I, I think I'll always feel that way that it just, the, we have to maintain the ability to locate ourselves and, and see our context or else we're also mm -hmm. going to lose something as humans, just this ability to understand our place. If, if it's always just a dot in the center of a screen, we're, we're losing something there. So, yeah, I, I totally yeah. agree. That's yeah. I, I still have, you know, really awful printed topo maps. That's we're doing it this Saturday. You know, it's the first field methods course nice. and you're going out there with this awful, you know, 9,000 times printed <laughs> off. And I'm like, no, this is, this is what you should do, you know? And I think yeah. taking away the whole, when you're out there with a digital device, just the simple fact of dealing with the digital device taking that like stress away, you know, it's just a map. Like, yeah. Yeah. You could spill something on it, but like, it's, yeah. I and think I, it like actually helps students, you know, to relieve that stress. Yeah. I, I think I see the benefits and, and that's why we are, you know, we're, we're investing in, in something that might yes. lead to some more efficiency in the field, but the, and this is just my opinion, but when I've tried to fiddle with these devices and make maps in the field, all I'm doing is fiddling with technology. That's the last thing I yeah. want to do when I'm in the field. Yep. I want to put my head up and, and look around and I want to make a sketch and I want to sit on a rock and, and ponder it and, and not be fiddling with like the, the screen and the app and filling, you know, typing things in. Like 
being in the field is a chance to get away from your, your digital stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, that's, that's for coming from a very traditional mapping background. I know technology is needed and helpful for a lot of additional things in the field, but um, yeah, I just, I really hope we don't lose that. And it, it's, it's up to the universities to not let that be lost. Uh, yes. So, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I hope to stay involved with field camps cause I really do. I, I, I love teaching field camp and I love, being part of field education um, and just I can get up on my soapbox a little bit but still want to be involved <laughs> that's awesome I think maybe our field camp needs to swing through Riverton for a field trip oh yeah anytime well, anytime you're welcome <laughs> but we also have been uh, in Canyon City a lot and love it there we spend a lot of our lives yeah that's a fun area in that zone as well so we could come visit you oh <laughs> Okay. Well, we'll do some we'll do some planning then. <laughs> For sure. Perfect. So I'm interested John, if your thoughts on digital stuff have changed because we've obviously philosophically talked about this a lot. Somewhat I would say. Like I I definitely am a digital person. I like the technology side of things. Uh but maybe it's just getting older and grumpier. Like most of the time I just want something that works. <laughs> and yep. so that has partially led me to like analog stuff with a digital, like I can still have the digital, but at the end of the day, I've got something analog that's a, a backup. We've done some yep. surveys of, of our customers for like, you know, we make data loggers for tilt meters and seismometry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, well, you know, how do you want to interact with this? Do you want to have a tablet that talks to it? Do you want to connect your phone to it? Do you want a touch screen? Or do you want big just knobs that you can like use on switches? And overwhelmingly the response I always get is please, please don't make me connect to it over Wi-Fi. <laughs> just mm-hmm. put big knobs on it that I can use with gloves on <laughs> in the field and don't have to think about and put bright big yeah. indicator lights on it and oh, please don't make it a touchscreen. So (laughs) I think that's been a pretty big signal amongst field people for quite a while now. Yeah. Yeah, and Uh, I think... Yeah. I was going to say that during during COVID, this, and it's still going on, like a lot of us are doing all of our meetings over screens instead of the in-person, you know, that's, that's still going on, obviously, and the, we spent so much time only interacting with other humans through screens and, and digital devices. I, I just, I feel like for all of these realms, um, you know, speaking kind of on behalf of Brunton's realms, geology, tactical, outdoor rec, when people are outside in the field, the, the, the desire to digitally detox, like get away from your digital devices is real. Uh, it's, it's healthy too, just to, to stop looking at your screens, look up, look around you, understand your context. Um, and yeah, if you are using something electronic or digital, make it as easy as possible. Um, so that you aren't just fiddling with it the whole time. Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, and I, I do have two questions that I didn't put in the outline and I didn't warn Shannon, I was going to ask either. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's a right answer. I want to say there is, but I'm very curious what your answers are. Okay, so the uh, question part A: 
is strike and dip or dip dip direction? And question part B is quadrant, yes or no? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> strike and dip, quadrant, yes. And I'm the exact opposite of what Shannon said. <laughs> I'm not qualified to answer either of them. So I'll answer the quadrant one first. Our data indicates that like less than 10% of Brunton users yeah. purchase quadrant now. And it's, yeah. it's getting you know, lower by the year. That makes me sad though, because I, yes. I think I still am a quadrant person. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> like if, if you were to just like plop me out in the field and ask me to make a map, I will go full analog. I've got my little paper map in front of me with our little map tool and quadrant is easier to map with the protractor on paper. And that's, <gasps> that's what I have always. I wish this was a video. <laughs> I am gesticulating like wildly right now. because It's so, it's so, John will argue this exact same thing for his own wrong answers. Um, but like it's quadrant is so intuitive to yeah. me. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, it's, I understand yeah. needing the azimuthal directions for inputs to all of your stuff. I yeah. get it. But I feel like Quadrant is still very intuitive. And I make all of my students do one exercise where they nice. <laughs> do Quadrant. Oh, that's great. And then I say, I'll put, I'll put these compasses up. I'll never let you touch them again. It's <laughs> fine. I know you hate them. <laughs> yeah, I used to make my students yep. learn both, too. And I you know, we made this little ruler protractor that has both on on it and i'm sure like most mm, geologists are okay. like what the heck is all that stuff on the inside of the circle um that doesn't make any sense it stops at 90 but um yeah, yeah I, I get it for the from the broader like digital perspective it's it is hard to input yes. quadrant data into a spreadsheet um it's not impossible but um so yeah that you know we'll see i'll maybe i'll start to try to sway the geological community towards quadrant again but <laughs> oh man, I, I think you oh, use your celebrity for good. <laughs> we actually get a lot of schools. Oh. It makes me sad, but a lot of universities have discovered. I shouldn't say this. Um, anyway, <laughs> you you can buy just the azimuth ring and replace it yourself in your Brunton if you have a bunch <laughs> of old quadrant transits. <laughs> but what I should say is that you have to buy all new ones. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. buy the nice, colorful <laughs> new ones that are out. Four colors. Yeah. Um, gold this year. Yeah. Okay. <gasps> going and, and we're working on another color, but that's a secret. Mm -hmm. um, oh, your my other goodness. question. This is exciting. Uh, dip, dip direction or strike and dip. Um, I didn't even know that dip and dip direction was a thing uh, until I would say we started working with the the axis really, and and that's just like that's you know product of being in the American geology system. It's always just been strike and dip. But, okay, so I think from a philosophical standpoint, I will always be strike and dip because I'm a visual person and seeing the line of strike to me is very important. If you're gonna put that symbol on your map, it's nice to visualize it, visualize it in the field and know what it means. Um, but you hop on over to Europe, <laughs> And you start to feel like, oh, maybe, maybe we've been idiots all along. This is actually an easier system because there's just two things you have to write down and it's foolproof. 
because you can't exactly. get the, the dip direction wrong. <laughs> so it's like, huh. <laughs> we are making it harder for ourselves. Um, but yeah, so I think from a, if you're not wanting to write too many things down in your notebook, dip and dip direction are the way to go. <laughs> hmm. And so, hmm. a little plug, like our, our, we have two transits that do dip and dip direction very well. One is the geo and one happens to be the axis, ours. So you can, uh -huh. you can rotate the ring around and make it work. Um, so. All right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan of dip dip direction. Like you said, it's hard to you can't record it incorrectly. I see so many yeah. people in the field, you know, holding the pen with their right hand and they hold their left hand out to do right hand rule, <laughs> and you oh, um, yeah. But then the only thing to me that's worse <laughs> than quadrant is I had to work <laughs> with some downhole data once that was in degrees counterclockwise from west. And to me, that is the only oh, thing gosh. worse than Quadrant. Oh, gosh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that, that's what I said when I read that in the manual. Because none of this is lining oh, up. Gosh. Like, the well doesn't run this direction. So, you know, pull oh. the manual out and start reading. And it says, all data are reported degrees counterclockwise from west. And I think the manual oh, flew awful. across the room. Ooh. I can't imagine that led to any errors at all in that whole... No kidding. No. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, John and I are going to be rehashing this part of the conversation for quite some time, I believe. <laughs> well, and when we come visit, I have I have so many questions for you on ERP because, you know, we hit the same problem oh, yeah. and ended up building an ERP from scratch. And oh, God. I don't know wow. if that was a great right. call, but that's what wow. we did. Uh, <laughs> Hats off to you. And, it was complicated. <laughs> But yeah, I have I have many questions on that that our listeners uh, do not care about. So <laughs> with, mm -hmm. with that, we'll uh, we'll move that forward to boring. right <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is a geology podcast, sir. <laughs> so you know, you mentioned okay, maybe there's something digital coming down the pipe. But in a broader sense, since you really have the pulse on all of these different facets of navigation, uh, geology, tactical, outdoor recreation. What's next in, well, mainly geology, since we are a geology podcast, but what's next in the next 10, 20 years of, of the Brunton story and of geology? Oof. That's a big question. I mean, I think, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> First of all, hopefully the Earth's magnetic field doesn't weaken yeah, no or magnetic shift. field reversal. <laughs> That's our primary hey, look, some of concerns. Um, yeah, some of those headlines get me every time, right? And they say Earth's magnetic field has shifted, and I literally ran outside with my Brunton one day, and I was like, "Oh, this is not what it meant." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, barring barring like crazy shifts in the magnetic field. Um, like, I honestly think, you know, again, for Brunton, I, I'm not going to answer for the entire universe of geology, outdoor rec, and tactical. Um, <laughs> but from a Brunton standpoint, um, you know, I think it, it, it's kind of a mix. Like, we're innovators and we're psyched to to develop things that people need and could could help make their their lives better through through their tools, like the the digital thing we're hinting at. 
Um, but I honestly also think that part of what Brunton does well is just sticking to what we do well. Like we'll always continue to try to improve what we have and develop things that uh, are in our niche, are in our, our market. Um, but I think if anything, and again, this is just my opinion or hope, and it may not be based in reality that much, but um, I, I'd say it's factual in the military, at least from what we see from an external standpoint, is that like there's a there's a big shift back to analog land nav, non-digital, non-GPS skills. Like every soldier has to know how to navigate with a map and a compass and not be dependent on GPS. Um, and so I, I, I kind of hope that outdoor rack and geology also realize, hey, you, it's, it's, you know, it's maybe not a matter of, well, it could be, especially in outdoor rack. Like if you get lost, it's, it's, it could be a matter of life or death, but you know, you have to have the basic skills if your technology goes down. And so I think that one of the things Brunton will always stick to is just this, this old school foundation of magnetic needles that point north. Um, yeah, we're going to stay in our lane and do what we do well. <laughs> and hopefully north is yeah. still north. Our so. current products and the things that we're developing are keeping us plenty busy. Um, we're releasing the Miner's Delight right now, which is a light-up version of the Compro with uh, electroluminescent panels. Um, we actually pioneered that with a military version that lights up uh, with two EL panels, so you can see them in the dark. Um, yeah, we've been, yeah, like adding illumination, adding sort of the additional bells and whistles to what we have already been doing is, is kind of what's next, and that's what, you know, it's driven by what people are needing and wanting. Um, but yeah, I think That's I think the big great. picture I... is that like I think the 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 world really needs and and I think always will need compasses, and so that's great job security for us, and it's also great, again going back to that like humans understanding their place. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, we don't <laughs> lose touch with that. We are still continuously consumed with eddy currents and how <laughs> copper interacts with. Magnetic needles. Now you're getting all <laughs> to all decrease geeky. dithering. <laughs> <laughs> Always trying. Yeah, that's our that's our <laughs> internal term for when the needle doesn't stop moving. It's it's dithering too much. Dithering. <laughs> Man, if only you could electrify. Yeah, electrify the compasses to stop the students dithering, so I could just you know zap certain ones. That'd be great too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else that uh, you'd like to add or, or mention before we move on to the next segment? No, I mean, I think we've gotten to cover a lot. Yeah, we're uh, uh, really thankful for yeah. the geologic world's uh, loyalty to the Brunton brand and continued support. And we'll keep making great products for y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really hope, John, that maybe we can, um, we've, John and I have been talking about taking a, like a road trip, taking the podcast on the road, and hopefully Ooh, yeah. we can make it to Riverton and we could have a cup of tea. What do you think, John? I, I think we could, and that t transitions us into everybody's favorite segment of the show, Fun Paper Friday. 
Yay. Uh, this is real weird. <laughs> so, Where did you find this gem? Well, it, it came from because our third host. Oh, of course. Daryl. Daryl sent this in. <laughs> so this is uh, Earl Grey Tea Intoxication. <laughs> A case report. I just, I don't know if I want to see Daryl's internet search history. <laughs> But I will say that we definitely um, are on the receiving end of some excellent um, articles. Like this one, how does a human being do this to themselves, right? Yeah, so 44-year-old man presented with uh, muscle cramps. No other notable medical things other than the fact that he had been drinking up to four liters of Earl Grey per day and nothing else. For the past 25 Ooh. years? <laughs> well, it was black tea for the last 25 years, and then he switched to Earl Grey, and oh, that's yes. when everything went sideways. That's right. Because his stomach started to hurt, so he thought he'd switch to Earl Grey. <laughs> <laughs> Not, you know, taking down the four liters of black tea, but switching to a different brand. <laughs> so, Lauren and Dave, are you all tea drinkers, or coffee, or what is the delivery mechanism of go in the morning we are we are strongly in the coffee can coffee realm uh yeah excellent yeah yeah great excellent (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes me too for good reason this stuff doesn't happen for (laughs) (laughs) like this man endured for a long time an amazing array of muscle maladies (laughs) that yeah cramps that started in his foot that like basically took over his whole body Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like the he noted <laughs> distal paresthesias in all limbs and a feeling of pressure in his eyes <laughs> what oh. as he reaches for another cup of tea <laughs> I mean blurred vision uh, just a lot of bad things happening and so yeah finally says well maybe I should cut back to one or two <laughs> liters a day Unbelievable. (laughs) And um, yeah, but it turns out there's some weird stuff in Earl Grey, and that was part of the problem. I never had heard of this particular thing before. Bergamot? No. No? You've never heard of that? I have not. That's what makes Earl Grey Earl Grey. Don't you drink Earl Grey? I I have some bags of Earl Grey here. I definitely don't read them. Yeah. just put them in hot water. <laughs> it ingests them. Um, yeah, so bergamot's the thing um, that does the Earl Grey. You clearly are not in touch with the essential oils crowd, obviously, John. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> bergamot oil is a big deal. Um, and it's a... Uh, gosh, I'm going to out myself a little bit here. Um, so... <laughs> I was reading on my bottle of bergamot oil <laughs> and I got nervous because I was like, you know what? Is this stuff bad for my cats? Because my daughter has a little, you know, like a little kid diffuser thing, right? She likes to, to pick, you know, stuff out to put in it. And one of our cats like loves to sleep right next to her. And I'm like, is this bad for them? And bergamot oil is one of those that's like, man, if you have cats and your cats are near your diffusers, like this is bad news. 
My cat's still alive. I don't think you can kill her, but <laughs> but yeah. So this is this was very interesting to see that yeah, this is not great. And obviously, this dude that drank four liters of this bergamot stuff. Yeah, that's what can happen to you. <laughs> I have so many mm-hmm. questions. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what would the equivalent um, amount of coffee do to you? What if you had a gallon right. of coffee every day? For 20 years. Oh, my gosh. Probably not. I'm working on that experiment. <laughs> Let us know how that turns out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, and it's it, great. It says that the bergamot is a UVA-induced photosynthesizer and is phototoxic. So, of course, we put it in Believable. <laughs> it's very distinctive, though. Like the smell of the bergamot oil is very distinctively like recalls Earl Grey tea. I mean, from my barista days when we served a lot of Earl Grey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize it's very that. interesting. I, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a little Don't let your kitties drink, drink it. it. But, uh, yeah. I'll tell you right. Don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, knock it back to one liter a day. You should be fine. <laughs> so since we have established that everybody's coffee people, mostly, uh, we, we do have to find out how do you take your coffee and how fancy of coffee? Are we talking large quantities of Folgers or small quantities of precisely weighed and ground and temperature controlled coffee? No, we just... Oh, we're not that fancy. No, we're not fancy at all. We, <gasps> oh. we, we do try to have organic coffee because it, you know, don't know what's leaching in, you know, hot water systems. But anyway, pour a bunch of grounds. Like we basically fill our filter basket every morning. <laughs> we have a cheapo <laughs> coffee maker. It's like a $20 coffee. But maker. we like strong yeah. coffee. So we like fill it up every morning. Um, I have my coffee oh. with coconut sugar. We are co- big fans of coconut sugar. Coconut That's oil. Mm. Coconut oil. And then she does cinnamon. Cream and cinnamon. And it's so good. My goodness. And so now I'm spoiled when we travel. It's it's really hard to enjoy coffee almost anywhere else, except in Europe, um, where strong coffee is also valued. Now you drink two cups mm-hmm. that yeah, are made just two. like that. Maybe my two. first cup is, I would say, girly, like that. And by my fourth or fifth <laughs> cup, I've then gone to just black coffee. I taper off on the sweets. <laughs> Whatever is available. As I get to the oh, second wow. liter, it's mostly black. Right? <laughs> and then the, by the third liter, it's just grounds. So, yeah. you know, it's fine. And then I'm in the bathroom I mean, for half an hour. Right? <laughs> you better watch out. Your boss is going to fire you. Have we done the paper about uh, coffee and time to, to bathroom visits yet? Or is that one still in the queue? I don't remember. Ooh. Oh, man. It's probably in the pipe. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> well, with that uh, outstanding outro, I think we should wrap it up. So, uh, Shannon, if folks would like to tell us how they take their coffee or how much Earl Grey tea they had to consume before they had muscle spasms and blurred vision, we would love to collect that data. How can they get a hold of us? 
Don't panic geocast at gmail.com is where we now reside. You can also tweet us those. No pictures, please. Um, don't at don't panic geo. And we are at geo underscore Lehman and at Shannon Doolin. And as always, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to keep us going with great interviews like the one we just had, please do so. Patreon.com slash don't panic geo. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies. <laughs>